Is it okay to be selective about your friend or peer group? I think so. Surrounding yourself with people who share your values and aspirations can keep you on track towards success in life and in your career. One of the clearest ways many people have seen selection in action is on college campus Greek institutions. Sororities in particular are famous or sometimes infamous for their selection process. According to my morning search on Wikipedia, over 4 million women in 650 college or university campuses and 4,600 local alumni chapters in the U.S. and Canada alone are involved in this uh, type of activity. Welcome to Friends on Hand. It's the podcast where we explore the fine art of friendship. I'm Nancy Hand, networking and social confidence coach. And today we're talking with my friend, Claire Collins, who is involved with Kappa Kappa Sorority. Claire is a Baton Rouge native like me, living in New Hampshire, working in real estate management. She gardens, she cooks, she is a golf mom, and she has been a Kappa Kappa Gamma alumni and volunteer for over 20 years. Welcome. I've been really looking forward to talking with you about this. Hi, Claire. Nancy. I'm looking forward to our chat. So I have a few things that I like to throw out at the very beginning. And my favorite question, and I know you probably heard it on the other ones, is nature or nurture? You and I had a great conversation. We've been introduced by a mutual friend, and you seem like someone who is very um, makes friends easily. Did you come out that way? Did you arrive on earth gregarious or have you learned how to do that? (laughs) Absolutely not. Um, (laughs) I was an extremely introverted child. And I think that Mm. as I got older, um, I developed the ability to bond and make friendships. Um, But um, being an only child as um, only children tend to somewhat stick together because we see qualities in each other that are very similar. Um, being an only child, um, you're usually pretty good at you know being on your own. And sometimes you don't need friends or you don't think you do as much. But as I got older, I think I learned more the value in being able to connect with others and um, the ability to make friendships. So no, not nature at all in my case. Wow. So were your parents very social? Did that Was that something that um, you modeled? No, not particularly. <laughs> wow. Okay, so so give me an idea how that happened though. So so you did you develop this as a child? I mean, was it a conscious thing like I got I need to have some friends? <laughs> no. I, I think um because I of all the activities that I had in high school and extracurriculars and clubs and you know different things that I did gave me the opportunity to do what I think I followed throughout my life, and that is find common ground with people and develop relationships as a result of those. Yes. That that goes right along with what we're gonna talk about today. Um so what do you when you meet somebody new? How do you know, and this is, it's, it's interesting to hear from someone who, who is a natural introvert, who has learned this, this um, active engagement, if you will. How do you open up to a new person? Are you the, are you the one that instigates a conversation? And if um, so, how? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because um, one of the things I do in my job is sales training. And one of the things we talk about is different personality types. And one of the scenarios we give is that if you were on an airplane, and you were sitting next to someone, would you initiate conversation? Would you avoid conversation? Would you be the one that not only starts conversation, but then tells them everything about your life? And uh, I tend to be the one that would probably not talk to the other person unless spoken to first. Um, you know, I know people who are 
exceptional, and I'm related to people who are exceptional at going out and bonding with people quickly and asking them questions and drawing them out. And I'm usually the one that's being drawn out (laughs) instead. Okay. That's an interesting question. I like the airplane question a lot because I've, I have met some lifelong friends on airplanes, (laughs) (laughs) but I don't talk to everybody I sit next to either. And, and you know, I mean, you can tell I talk. Um, yeah. So how do you decide who you're going to talk to? It's a vibe. I feel it. And, and even if, even if their headphones and laptops open and stuff there, there's going to be a sense of, um, oh gosh, I didn't, good question. Cause I feel like, uh, there is a, almost like a neutral vibe or a fun mm-hmm. vibe. Yeah. And, and I, I'm a sensitive person. I tend to pick up on things like that. And um, you just know. I know that's so vague. I just know. <laughs> oh, I love that because I don't think I can say that I've certainly had conversations with people on long flights that I've enjoyed and have made the time pass quickly. But I don't think I've ever talked to anyone past that time that we were sitting next to each other on the aircraft. The funniest one, I actually like as far as like common ground and, and having something really strongly in common. I got on a plane one time and I have been doing the Nancy wipe down since before it was cool. <laughs> and people stare at me, but I'll wipe down the whole area and my trade table and the window because I always get the window. Um, and I sat, I was sitting in my seat and this lady comes and she comes like to sit next to me. It's two seats side by side. And she had the aisle. And she comes in and before she, she like looked down at me and she's like, okay. So she sat down, whipped out her alcohol and did the same thing. I'm like, I already got my side. Oh, yes. <laughs> and we had the best conversation. I was like, okay, oh, we are, but, we are alike. Yeah. And she said, this is my people. <laughs> right. Exactly. So what are you looking, like, what does friendship mean to you? And what are you looking for in someone that you bring into that friend circle? Um, You know, I, I don't know that I have a very well-defined friend circle, but I do have people that uh, are my go-tos in different parts of my life, whether it's my professional life, my sorority life, my, my life life, um, you know, just people that you know that you could call them for anything and you could ask them to do anything and you wouldn't be judged and you, they would, mm. they would just say, yeah, whatever you need. Um, and and those are the ones that, like you say, you're they're your your ride or dies. And yes, you find those, safety. and those end up, you know, being the ones that you know you can turn to whenever you need something. Have you ever had to let a friend go? No, not really. I could. I think nice. I've had um, friendships that maybe have grown apart. Mm-hmm. I can't think of any except perhaps since high school when, you know, high school girls look ugly to each other and say mm-hmm. things that they later regret and friendships end. But, you know, no, I don't think so. Not as an adult. Well, that is cool. Well, I really wanted to talk to you about sororities because I know you're involved and they sometimes get a bad rap, honestly. But I, I found some statistics this morning that I think are really, really neat. Honestly, I haven't done a whole lot of research on them, but um, my mother was a Kayo. Most of my friends went through some sort of a a sorority or fraternity, but um, annually more than $5 million to different causes. They, this is from the Panhellenic conference. 
um, provide $2.8 million in scholarships to women a year and volunteer more than a half a million hours in their communities. So there, a lot of good comes out of them. And they have had some um, flack, I think, for the selection process. And I wanted to talk about that because I know it shifted and changed over time as we as a culture have shifted and changed as well. And when I'm working with people, I think that it is a good idea to to find people who are a match for who you are and where you want to be in life. So talk to me about that a little bit in your experience. Um, well, of course, I have to give the immediate disclaimer that we can't, no one in a sorority could really discuss what their selection criteria are in any yes. great detail. Um, but um, what I can say is that there is more of a focus um, within our group and certainly other Panhellenic groups on what they now refer to as values-based recruitment and talking about um, the what you're looking for in people to join your organization in terms of their strengths and their attributes. Um, mm-hmm. But it all boils down to, as you were saying, finding the person who brings out her alcohol to clean her airplane seat sitting next to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's yep. the person that you could talk to about your love of pineapple on pizza or the, oh, the little thing like that went there. <laughs> <laughs> that starts the conversation um, that opens up other opportunities for connection and finding common ground. Right. And maybe shed some light on some of the misconceptions you've heard about Greek involvement. You know what? I think the greatest ones are the, uh, the things that are perpetuated by media. Um, you know, Legally Blonde, I think, did so much more to hurt than actually help <laughs> anyone who's in a sorority and help people who are not in Greek view them. Um, but, but I love you know, There is so much more focus on um, finding people who share your values and finding people that um, will be contributors to your group. And you know, really looking for people beyond what I think most, you know, we've all seen a- Animal House and how they put mm-hmm. the guys back on the couch twice in a row at two different parties. Um, things like that don't really happen so much, um, but it is more, you know, looking beyond the superficial. And, you know, yes, that girl had cute shoes, but, you know, was she... Was she genuine? Was she warm? Could she share anecdotes about things that she's done that were maybe community service or philanthropic? Um, but you're looking beyond just the exterior of the person and you're trying to really get to know someone that you're you're ultimately choosing for right now to be a sister, but you know, someone who will be part of the organization for as long as she wants to for the rest of her life. And you've been you've you've stepped up and been active you know, as an alumna as well, which is cool. How, how does this, how does the selection process without talking about the selection process, but how does it help you all to create deeper bonds? Um, I don't know that it really creates deeper bonds so much as it's, the selection process is really like hiring in so many ways. You know, you're looking for someone Mm. that, you know, just as I now, as someone who interviews for people to join my organization, um, you look for people that you feel will be a contributor. And, um, you know, I don't know that it necessarily forms greater bonds, but it, it gives people the opportunity to more think about, you know, what, what you're looking for in a sister and what you, um, want for your organization going forward. And 
as far as that goes, and we talked a little bit about this on the phone, uh, how do you keep how do you keep everything fresh and vibrant? And, and is is there a as we have changed as a society, have has it become more inclusive? Um, all organizations within the National Panhellenic Conference are focusing a lot more, particularly in the past um, few months, on making sure that inclusion is celebrated and um, exclusion perhaps is more better identified. Um, mm-hmm. It's something that we've talked about since I was in the chapter you know, years ago. And you know, you will hear chapters promote themselves as being diverse, which means different place things in different places. You know, keeping things fresh. I think any any group is going to be fresh by due to the fact that um, a, a chapter is constantly revolving and evolving by the new members that it takes in every yes. So it's the the entire tone of a chapter can change within four years because it's an entirely new, fresh group of people for a collegiate chapter. So um, I think as a nationally, we're all looking at ways to be more relevant, um, to provide more opportunities for our members to step up into leadership as they become alumni, Um, other opportunities for education, that are made available, whether it's webinars or um, actually our group is looking to do a um, a trip that is going to be more of a service-oriented trip that actually they, they had it scheduled in, in that was kind of like a Habitat for Humanity type of thing that they were coordinating with alumni and ac- active chapter members. So it's cool. Giving opportunities like that that um, you would only do because you happen to be a member of the organization because it is just members of an organization, but um, allows for other opportunities for interest groups that go beyond um, geography and someone's collegiate chapter. And it also transcends age groups. I know. We're going to talk about that in just a second. I wanted to ask, you know, you you did say that you you kind of had had going Greek in mind, you know, for a while. How did your non your non sorority and fraternity friends respond to you going that route? You know, I think most of my friends. You know, I was in a different situation in that I went away to school, so that everyone that I went through recruitment with, I had only known for three weeks at that point. So, and most of us were going through, everyone had a pretty clear idea. Some people were going through recruitment just because they wanted to try it out. And some of us just knew that we just needed to figure out which group we wanted to be in. Um, So I think everyone pretty much found what was best for them. And Mm -hmm. if I think back, I have some of my dearest friends from high school who did not choose to join sororities. Um, I don't think they ever reacted in any way. And, And they certainly know and understand and have an appreciation for my being a member and what we do, you know, there's one of them that whenever she sees any irises growing, irises are our organization's flower. Um, she'll take a picture and send it to me because it may, she knows and understands that they're special to me. So, yeah, I think there's, there's never been any animosity or any lack of, you know, end to a friendship because I happen to be Greek and others decided not to be. You just reminded me that I meant to put like a like a key pun somewhere and I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But it's also one of the symbols. Right. So 
We talked about um, moving and, and first of all, you, each, each um, chapter has its own kind of personality, even though it's part of a greater organization, you know, campus to campus, the, I guess the personality of that chapter is going to be a little bit different. But one of the neat things that I've heard about sorority life is the ability to connect with sisters or brothers wherever you are. You know, you might end up, you know, on vacation in Cairo and look somebody up because there's somebody everywhere, right? Well, Um, and and that's something that I don't think any of us appreciated when we pledged as college freshmen is that how there would always be that network available to us as we got older. And it really is something that I have so valued. And um, I would have never expected that I would be living in New Hampshire, meeting people from you know, other universities throughout the Midwest and other parts of the country. So it's, it really is something that gives us an opportunity to make friends and have that, you know, starting with our only common thing being that we happened to pledge the same sorority when we were 18 or 19 years old. It's a life decision though, really. And tell me about you. We had a talk about multi-generational friendships. And I think that that's the neatest, probably one of the neatest aspects of this, because as we grow older, our friend group generally grows with us. And then, you know, some of it disappears. But when you have the the range of, you know, 18 to, you know, 100 and something, maybe even of, of potential connections that with, with whom you automatically and already have something in common, how cool is that? And can you Explain some something about your experience with that. Um, I think my particular alumni experience has been a little bit different because I'm in an area where there are not a lot of alumni because there just is not as much Greek life in New England as there are in other parts of the country, particularly the South where I grew up. Um, what has always been fun for me is that I have a lot of friends who when I joined the group, I was the youngest one. So a lot of friends here who are like 20 years older than I was. Um, so as I've gone through life, you know, as I became a new mother, uh, they were there to be able to assure me that, yes, my baby would sleep through the night sometime before he graduated <laughs> from high school. Um, it was nice to always have someone who had had some a little more life experience and had a little bit more calm about a lot of things who could share those experiences with me. Mm-hmm. Um, that yeah, like the one story that we talked about before is um, when I was on maternity leave, we went to a museum as one of the outings that I was able to go to because I, a lot of the things that my alumni association does during the workday, I'm an, unavailable for. And um, they took turns pushing the baby carriage to the, the museum. And the gal who was giving this tour, you know, turned to me and said, you know, well, which one of these, these is your mother? And I said, well, well, none of them are my mother, but they're all my sister's. And she looked at me kind of funny, so then I had to explain. (laughs) Um, But um, But that's that's where I feel truly fortunate to have these women in my life. I love that. Um, What other what other things do you think makes this uh, your experience here or the sorority experience stand out as far as friendships? I think. Besides connecting you with people that you might not have chosen as friends, mm-hmm. it, it yeah. gives you an opportunity, whether you're in the active chapter or when you're an alum, to, in some cases, 
have to work with the people. (laughs) And in some Uh cases, you choose to work with the people. And in so doing, gain a greater appreciation for people that you may not have connected with otherwise and find the common ground and establish the trust that builds the friendship that you know, otherwise you would have never crossed paths with this person or possibly never even met. So um, that's uh-huh. where, yeah, I have to say it, it was from the outside looking in, it seems like, oh, you, you guys are, you, I th- the thing you always hear is you just joined a sorority so you could buy your friends. Mm-hmm. And that's so far from the actuality of how it operates and the types of bonds that you feel just because you know, you do share the values, but you've also in some way worked with the other people towards making the the group better over time and contributing in some way. And like family, do you, I mean, it, what you just said kind of, kind of rang a bell in my head as far as um, you would have to have more patience to work through misunderstandings and that sort of thing, because you are part of a common group. You're part of, you know, your sisters at this point, right? Yeah, so, I, I think that's a very good way of putting it is, you know, you, you will find ways to work through conflict um, or to say, you know, in the end, we're all, we all want the same thing. We all want what is best for the group. And you know, we may not always work well together um, when there's like a deadline looming or a big event that needs to be planned <laughs> yeah. or we have differences of opinion over how something should be done. Or, you know, I think what we see it often um, in coordinating things and coordinating efforts is you'll have someone who said, well, this is how we did it. <laughs> that how we did it might have been in a completely different time and different place from how mm-hmm. it's done now. And sometimes um, there needs to be a little coordination and a little compromise. But uh, I think what it all goes back to is having mutual respect for each other and yeah. um, just the understanding that, you know, we all need to trust each other because we're, what we're trying to do is do what's best. Well, and that, Okay, so now I'm all excited because really, if you think about from, you know, 18, you know, 18 to 22, your college years, the likelihood that you're going to be engaging regularly in projects that that involve other people, are it's good, but not like it would be if you're actively doing something philanthropic or building a float or plan, <laughs> plan, planning a party or Painting whatever. A banner for, Paint, you know, but house. Yeah. it seems like a very, a very rich environment for group activities to, to be able to learn to work with other people well. And that I, I keep seeing these things on, on, social media about, you know, you got to cut the negative people out of your life and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, some of them, but most of them, most, most quote, air quote, negative people or downers or whatever, um, are actually just people with whom you have not yet learned to communicate. And here you have an environment where you're learning how to work with somebody who's maybe, you know, you you get five alphas on the same job. It's going to be it's going to be prickly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know. Well, and I always say that my Greek experience better prepared me to graduate and work in the real world than any of my coursework. Of course, this horrifies mm-hmm. my non-Greek mother to hear this. 
But uh, <laughs> it's just all of the bumps in the road that you go through of you know, perhaps having to learn to share and share credit and share ideas and compromise and work with others toward a common goal. Um, all of those things are repeating themes when you actually get into the workforce and <laughs> are supporting uh an organization that perhaps has a profit motive as opposed to just a sisterhood one. Yeah. So, um, it, it, it's invaluable experience to have. And frankly, teenage girls are no- notoriously cutthroat. <laughs> so, <laughs> sure. I mean, as, as far as learning, learning the politics, you know, learning how to, how to manage people, what an invaluable thing. What a great Absolutely. training ground, you know? Absolutely. And I, I really didn't think about that until just now. So, Thanks. <laughs> but that's, you know, people people who have not learned to manage other people or, or play well with others um, will have trouble in a corporate environment or any environment yeah. Yeah. for that and, matter. And you, that's something um, I'm very fortunate that I ended up, no one goes to college saying they want to work in the apartment business, which I work in and have for, mm-hmm. you know, since 1987 now. Um, wow. You know, we joke about, you know, no one, no one sets this out as their life goal. We all kind of fall into it one way or another. Um, but the way that I ended up in this industry was, um, you know, I was a psychology major and I was just looking for a job. I'd taken lots of business courses and I received a, an opportunity to go interview for a company that, um, the way the, it was, the job interview was offered was, you know, we are a company that's revolutionizing the multifamily housing business. And I thought, well, you know, I can't, I'm really not in a position to turn down interviews at this point. Um, so, mm-hmm. and I don't know what the multifamily housing industry is, but I will go find out. Um, so as go. it turned out, the gal who had selected my resume, we had resumes on file at our career planning and placement office, um, had been rush chairman for her sorority at a different college and saw that I had been rush chairman in my sorority and knew that I would have a lot of the skills and experience that it would take to work in the job that they were offering. Mm-hmm. So um, I also find that you know, when I'm interviewing, I whether it's a Greek organization or another one, I look for, for candidates that in their college life have had the opportunity to have some type of leadership because if they're if they're taking the leadership or if they're in an elected position, that means that their peers have identified them as someone who can be counted on. Mm. So um, you know, th- again, those are skills that you learn and get sorted out, and you get the opportunity to lead as a chapter member. And sometimes when you're in a smaller chapter, you don't just get it; you have to take it. <laughs> so right. um, it, it's. <laughs> you know, just a lot of training because we do have, I, I don't, I know all groups are probably similar to ours where at some campuses, uh, Greek life isn't as prevalent. And so all of the groups are relatively small. So in, in some cases, some if someone's an officer, she's not just taking one role, she's taking on two office roles at once because there isn't enough leadership ability to go around. There just aren't enough people in the chapter. Um, but, you know, having had that opportunity, you know, it's just so for so good to be able to take that and see how that plays out in the real world because it does have real world applications. Well, if you think about it, especially somebody who's taken on two roles, plus they have to keep their grades up because um, 
right. fairly certain that's part of it. <laughs> that um, is part of it as well. You are correct. As it <laughs> as it would be for a you know football scholarship or anything. You you you're not just doing that thing. You're also having to do your your you know excel in your classes and um, show up. You know as a leader. That's a huge thing. And as a as a as something to be able to you know, put on the resume or your CV, that's, that's a big deal. And I wonder, you know, as far as, you know, somebody who doesn't go this route in college would have to actively look for places where they could take a leadership position. Um, And I know that people I'm sure are clamoring to volunteer for all of the leadership positions, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, well, and and it's good to have an avenue. Exactly. And whether that's a Greek organization or another interest group, you know, there's just, there's something about being able to go take that leadership, learn to work with others, um, learn who you can and can't trust, learn to delegate and be delegated to, and, um, you know, just to figure out how to gel as a team and, and form friendships as a result. Well, and, and the other thing is you've got a supportive network there kind of kind of egging you on and like knowing that you have this extra load who are going to kind of be there to prompt you to go like, have you done this yet? Have you studied? <laughs> you yes. <know? laughs> right. Right. And, um, and it's, it's an accountability that you wouldn't get otherwise. Yes. There, there is um, the need to maintain grades and there is a scholarship chairman in every chapter. <laughs> so, Wow. And, and in some cases, it's um, in, in our case that, you know, that's now a vice president position that oversees scholarship hmm. within the group. So it, it, it definitely is a focus and a requirement. Has your Greek involvement um, changed the way you approach other people or make make friends outside of the organization? I'm sure it did because you started so so young, of course, but uh, <laughs> anything noticeable? Um, you know, I, I don't. I think I've probably internalized a lot of what I learned um, having um, been on the other side of recruitment or rush. You know, mm-hmm. recruitment is now the polit- politically correct term for it, of course. Right. Um, but, you know, just learning so much about um, learning how to memorize names, learning how to um, wow. make conversation, um, you know, working to um, talk about the, the right things and to draw people out. And, um, you know, ask open-ended questions and things like that, that Mm -hmm. um, I think there was just a lot of learning how to relate to others that um, was learned through that experience. How important do you think that is? Yeah, as a, um, as we discussed, a natural introvert, I think that that is so important, (laughs) (laughs) you know, um, you know, it's the learning how, not just learning how to play nicely with others, but um, learning how to relate to others and better understand others and gain an appreciation for them as people. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think, you know, a lot of that's, you know, what you go through. I mean, it's really recruitment is, you know, it's like speed dating. You know, you you have a few minutes yeah. to talk to someone and then move along to the next person and and make quick conversation and you know, somehow work beyond just saying, oh, so what dorm do you live in and what's your major? Uh, <laughs> you yeah. know, you can't it you can't often in a very short period of time get more than that, but it opens the door in so many ways and um, you know, being able to I would say 
I my I have the greatest admiration for a lot of hairdressers that are able to like make you want to keep talking to them even when you're done in the chair, <laughs> even if it's right. the first time you've been. It's having that skill of um, not just talking and not just sharing stories of your own, but being relatable and um, drawing the person out to talk about themselves. And that I, I've sometimes clients will tell me, "Oh my gosh, networking is exhausting," and I'm like, "Yes." It is. <laughs> it yes. should be. Because you're, I mean, to, to be able to have a conversation with someone, give them your all, your whole attention, and then lift it up, turn, and do the same thing for someone else, and then lift that up, turn, and do it over and over again on a blank slate each time, it's, it's yes. rigorous. It is. Yes. It's an athletic thing. I'm like, yes, you better be, you know, well-fed, well-rested, and mentally ready to go into a conference, for example. Like yeah. it's, it's no small thing or else you're going to be hiding out in your hotel room the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. You'll, be, you'll be napping. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just so, too, too much interaction all at once. It can be overwhelming. So I know you have friends all over at this point. How have you been maintaining your friendships in the time of the COVID? You know, I have to say that social media is a godsend in so many ways, um, we did at one point have um, a group of us from our collegiate chapter did a Zoom call. because, And we realized when we got on that Zoom call that some of us hadn't actually laid eyes on each other beyond Facebook since the late 80s. So wow. <laughs> that, was a, that was a ton of fun. It's like, and where do you live now? Um, but you know, I think so much of my relationships and maintaining them has been that way and through a screen and with a keyboard. Um, you know, they, you know, I have great friends that I can't even remember the last time I actually shared airspace with them. But, you know, I know what's going on in their life and they know what's going on in my life. And we know to reach out and we know when to check in on each other. And, um, you know, we've been able to be supportive of one another and encouraging of one another. And, you know, that's really a great thing. I love it. I love it. But if you could go back in time. What would you tell Claire at 18 about the friendship she'll make in life? I think when I was 18, I would have never envisioned myself moving across the country and living somewhere that it's cold. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it's beautiful. Oh, uh, my gosh. It, it, it is at certain times of the year. It absolutely is. You're 100% right. Um, I think I, I would have told myself to... Um, know that the experiences that you have you know being able to relate to others and get to know others and appreciate others uh, is something that will serve you well in life and to not you know there's a lot that you need to overlook sometimes to be able to establish a friendship and to maintain a friendship hmm. so you know there are no one is going to think the way you do. No one is going to always act the way you do. But there's a lot to be appreciated in others. And it might be the only thing that you have in common with them is the sorority letters that you have on your pen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and But going forward, you know, there are going to be people that are important to your life that will be so meaningful to you and make such a difference in your life that you will would not believe it if I told you right now. Oh, love it. 
Well, I have really enjoyed talking to you, Claire. What a pleasure. And oh, this was I, a treat. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I'm very thankful Melise put us together. I think that this is this is something that the ability to really um, know who you are and to be able to surround yourself with people who are going to uplift you and encourage you and um, be available for you in tough times is is priceless, whether it's through a sorority or just in curating your own friend and peer networks. So for our listeners, if any of this resonated with you and you yearn to have deeper and more meaningful friendships and more supportive professional networks, it is all about connection. Uh, reach out to me at nancytiltonhand.com. I would love to connect with you and help you learn how to network like a natural. And Claire, um, if I don't know if you want to give contact information, it's fine if you don't. But um, if anybody has questions about sororities or about curating networks, I know there's a lot of information online. I found a bunch this morning that was really useful and helpful. And I think that the organizations really do offer um, an unprecedented opportunity for that learning and teamwork and um, learning about leadership, really. And that's kind of what it comes down to, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I love to um, make friends on Twitter and on Instagram. And I'm Claire C345 at both of those. Excellent. Excellent. And for our listeners, remember that friendships makes you make you smarter, stronger, happier, healthier, wealthier, not to mention being fun, fulfilling, and joyful. So get out there and make a new friend. And I'll see you on the next podcast. Thanks, Claire. Thanks, Nancy. 